Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. I'm going to be sharing this in this service and the 2 p.m. service, just what I feel God has laid upon my heart for us for this year. It's interesting because when you come to a Vision Sunday, I feel like I've only just finished the last one. And I'm talking about vision again. And people, people love vision, don't they? They get excited when you say, I'm going to have a vision Sunday. And so right we should be. It's exciting to think about what the year ahead is going to be like. And I'm a, I'm a great believer in great planning and thinking how and what we're going to do. Be strategic and also spiritual as well. But it's, it's actually interesting because a year these days goes so quickly. That actually, you, you, we're already in, in part of the vision anyway. We're doing what we've, we've set out last year. We're, we're involved in that, and that's still moving on. But there are always little things, adjustments, and things that we want to do, fresh things. And let me just say this, that if you're here today thinking, I hope he says this, and I hope he says we're going to do that. If you're disappointed with what I bring today, well, I'm sorry if you are, but listen to me. What we're going to do is this year is we're always open to change things. You see, we're always open to work and see where God moves. So whatever we're going to be doing, and I want to encourage you, we're always open to change. I really believe last year, 2016, many of you are probably exhausted by now of doing double services for quite a while. We've been doing it since 23rd of October. And can I just say that it's, I want to thank everyone, first of all, for what they've done. Why don't you give everyone a round of applause now? Because it's... If you, if you didn't know, if you didn't know what we've been doing, we set out last year, it was, it was a year ago that I said we would be doing double services. We planned it, we put it into process on October 23rd, we kicked off, we did special events up to Christmas, and then now we're into February. So we've already been going it several months. And I just, I just sense that it's the right thing. God has been doing so many great things. In fact, sometimes the 2 p.m. services have been less populated. However, there's been just a sense of God's presence just invading the room to a point where it's just helped me to think, let's keep going on. So I want to encourage you that I really believe where we're at, what we're doing, is right on God's agenda. And it's not our agenda, it's His agenda. And we're just running with that. So I want to encourage you, thank you for helping us do that. We're still running with double services, and we're going to be doing that through this year and into the future. But today I want to talk about what I believe is things ahead for us, where we need to be looking ahead. It's just really for the year ahead. And the title of the message today for Vision Sunday is The Unstoppable Church. The Unstoppable Church. You see, one of the interesting things is this, is what Rob's just shared actually is, that it's important that we do the work for Jesus and we don't give up. Amen. Jesus needs us to do the work. And I really believe that this church is on the brink of God doing something amazing and spectacular, bigger than we've ever imagined. And I really believe that part of that is because he needs us to do that. We can't just expect God to just do everything we want to do. He needs us to do the work. And, but I really feel that this church is at a pivotal moment of being a church that is unstoppable. That God wants to do something in our city, in our nation. And I really believe God will do it. This church has the ability 
to be an unstoppable church, an unstoppable force. We're not just a gathering. We're not just some people gathering together. This is an opportunity for us to do something amazing for Jesus. Amen. How many of you know it's a privilege to serve Jesus? It's a privilege to actually give your time to him to serve for kingdom purposes. Acts chapter 11, we're going to look right here describing a church in Antioch, which is in, it was in ancient Syria. It's now in Turkey. If you were to go and visit it today or that area, should I say. But we're going to pick up on this description of what's happening in a church in Antioch in Acts chapter 11. Luke writes this, verse 19 of Acts chapter 11 says this. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and then they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great, say great, great number of people were brought to the Lord. Verse 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who we know is Paul uh, later on. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, verse 27, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, verse 29, as each one was able, decided to provide help for their brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. I don't know if you've noticed, but Luke writes in those verses from 19 to 30, he uses the word great three times. He describes this church as a, a great church. How many of you want a great church? I know I do. I want to see this church being a great church. Luke writes right here about Antioch and describes great numbers of people coming to faith. And I want to encourage you that if we want a great church... We want to be an unstoppable force, then we need to look sometimes at the principles of the churches, the early church. There are so many visions flying around these days of people trying to create church or build church. And there are so many methods and ways and we can get all tangled up in, uh, you know, what's the best thing? How can we do this? What, what's the return on investment? Can I get the people in through the doors? But the essential things to look at is what makes a church tick and how did they do it then? How did they do it then, which created a church like Antioch that was an unstoppable force that actually was actually essential for the Gentile believers to come in? It was a great pivotal church. I want to look at seven things today, and don't get scared. There are seven things, not three. Seven things, because seven's a perfect number. Come on. I was going to do six, and I thought, no, I'll go seven, just for Jaron. 
Seven things today which I want to bring to you that I believe are characteristics of the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 11 that I believe that will create an unstoppable church for us this year. And there are things in place in all these areas that I want to just share with you. The first thing to realize about this church was that God's presence was central. God's presence was central. Number one. He says here in Acts chapter 11, verse 21, Luke writes, The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. How many of you know, whatever church you go to, it's important that God's in the house. Amen? I've been to some churches before, and it doesn't feel like God's given any room whatsoever. And I sense and feel that as we move forward this year, there needs to be, we've put double services in place, we've put some structure in place, but there needs to be a place for God's presence to come in our meetings. It's essential. It's something that they saw. He says the Lord's hand was with them. I never want to feel as a church this year or ever in the future where we feel like structure and things have got so much in the way that God's presence has been put on the sideline. You see, one of the things you'll see here is that the great numbers came because God's presence was with them. God's presence was there with them. Antioch's church was birthed from persecution. It's interesting that we read right at the beginning of verse 19. It talks about Stephen being persecuted. He was stoned to death. And from persecution, they all scatter and they leave and then Antioch church is birthed. How many of you know sometimes we get worried when persecution and trouble comes and we think God is not at work. If you look in Acts, you'll see that persecution was the thing that drove and grew the church. So if you're, if you're thinking in your lives today, things are not going all too well for me and there's trouble coming and some things are attacking me and, you know, I'm sat here today and I'm listening to the vision and I'm excited, but actually my life is, things are not going too well for me at the moment. It might not be a stoning, it might not be persecution, but right now you may feel, I'd love to be excited about this, Phil, but you don't realize things are going wrong at home for me, there is trouble and I just can't get excited. How do you think they felt when Stephen was stoned to death? How do you think they felt as they scattered? Did you, do you think they were excited on any vision for setting anything up when they'd just seen this? In fact, it's the thing that you think would destroy the church. How many of you know that when it's an unstoppable force, God can break through the trouble. He can break through the death. And even in the sign of death, right there with Stephen, the church begins to advance. Listen to me, whatever trouble you have, whatever difficulties you have, however inadequate you feel, God can use you whatever's going wrong in your life right now God can use you to advance his church he's looking right now and saying look child I know that there's things wrong I know it's challenging for you I know it's difficult but if you just keep pursuing me if you just keep pursuing what I want to do I want to build my church whatever trouble you have God can use it To advance his kingdom. It's not going to stop us. There are things in 15 years I've been in this church. Things tried to stop me from doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Things tried to hinder me and stop me from the call of God. But not once have I ever given up. There are times when I felt like giving up and and just leaving everything behind. 
But the reason I don't is this, because I know that even in the bad times, God always uses them. And something good always comes from it. Amen? I want to encourage you, whatever trouble you're facing today, nothing compares to Stephen being stoned to death. Whatever trouble you're facing, God can use it. We need a church of God's presence, not a church of a great atmosphere. We need a church of His presence. When you walk in this room, we're not just doing things with lights and effects, but we're doing something that people know the presence of Jesus Christ is in the room. Amen. I've got no problem with lights. We've got a few lights. I've said this many times before. But listen, if we want to be a church that's going to be an unstoppable force, we need to be a church that still moves forward if the electric shuts off. Because if the fuse box goes, what's left? We need to be a church that moves the world. G.K. Chesterton quoted this. He said, we do not want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. I want to be a church that moves Cambridge, that shifts things and moves things around in the spiritual realm. Not just because we sound good or look good, but we have a power and authority to shift things and change things. You see, there's something important about the hand of the Lord. If the hand of the Lord is upon what we're doing, then it's successful. You're going to see success. If you, tr- if you rely on finances alone, if you rely on other things outside God, you'll find that the success may last for a while but then diminish. But the hand of the Lord is important. We see this in Ezekiel 37. I just want to show you something. He says this, the hand of the Lord, Ezekiel said, was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. We all know this story very well. Verse 3 said, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Listen to me. When Ezekiel stood there, he saw a valley of dry bones. But it says the hand of the Lord was upon him. Listen to me very closely. It's important that we have structure in church, and we've got that. We're building structure. We need bones and the breath. We need bones in the church for structure. But how many know that when the hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel, he spoke and prophesied life, and it breathed life into the church? Listen to me. We need to make sure that we're of people of the presence and also people of order. I believe God is a God of order. And he wants us to have such structure. But presence is central. Amen. Luke says a great number of people believed. We need God's hand if we want to see people coming in and filling this place. It doesn't just happen by just simple attractive methods. It happens when people are changed on the inside. I want to see people change deep on the inside. Things brought to the surface, not just dealing with surface issues, but people really being touched by God's presence. That's foundational, number one, that we need God's presence in this place. Number two, God's message was shared. God's message was shared. Now, I find it very key that Rob brought a message today to encourage us that we need to respond to the call of Jesus. How many of you know that in the last three and a half years we've been a church that has been evangelistic? We have set out 
to go out of these doors and to change the people that we meet. To try and bring some influence of God into their lives. I meet so many churches who want me to come and talk to them because they're not yet doing this. I said to you that I've been in this church 15 years. For a high percentage of my time here, I'd never once spoken to anyone, including in work, about Jesus and sharing my faith because of scared of what they might think. In the last three and a half years, we've seen God do something amazing. I was preaching here in a 2 p.m. service just a few weeks ago. And in that service, I saw a young gentleman in this church who I'd met two months ago on the street and spoke a word over him, prayed for him. He got healed. Two months later, he didn't come straight away. Two months later, he sat and listened to the gospel message being preached in a 2 p.m. service. He told one of our people after that he felt God, he felt something inside tell him that morning to get up and come here. Two months after we met him. If some people say, oh, you know, the evangelism thing's just not working. I'm not sure I'm really on board on this. Listen to me, it is. I've got even stories that happened last week that I could tell you about. But I've got to be careful. God is doing something amazing. And we need to make sure we keep on sharing the message. Now's not the time to hold back. Now's the time to keep pushing forward and letting the message of the gospel get out of these four walls. I forgot an amen. Amen. Luke writes this in verse 19. He says, now those who have been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only, it says, among the Jews. Then look at this, verse 20. Some of them, however, so this is the ordinary people. You know, I feel like an ordinary person sometimes. I don't know about you. We're ordinary people. These are not the evangelists on the stage. These are not the people on TV. These are not the people who've got a ministry pulled together. These are ordinary people. What do they do? Some of them, verse 20, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, these are foreigners, by the way. These are people who are going to meet Jews. They're going to meet people who are not even speaking their language. He says they met them, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. They weren't preaching it, they were telling the news. Listen to me, the key thing for you is this, you don't have to get center stage to preach the gospel. In fact, actually, the room in this room fills, what, 180 seats? It's not very much, is it? You can do far more in your workplaces than you can in this room. Did you know that? You can do far more in schools than this room. This is a small amount of people compared to what is available for you. They were ordinary people. They had the ability to share the news. Listen to me. This church needs to continue doing what we're doing. Sharing the news. They were not celebrity pastors. We don't want celebrity pastors. You know what I love about this? There were no names. No names. But yet, it started the most pivotal sending church that we know about in history. There were no names. Look to me. Listen, the enemy sometimes going to say to you, look, you've got to be like them or you've got to be like this person. Every person in this room has the ability to take hold of this vision and say, do you know what? I'm going to be one of those ordinary people. I'm going to change the future and I'm going to be an influence this year. And I'm going to get on board in what God is doing in evangelism. 
Mike Statura quoted this. He says, the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. It's not its seating capacity. If it's its seating capacity, then we're limited. It's the sending capacity of how many people can we send? How many people can we release to release the good news of what Jesus is doing in our hearts? So what are we going to do? I want to encourage you this year, we're going to take this up another notch. We've been doing Kings on the Streets for three and a half years now. We've been seeing people get touched. I could give you countless stories of God touching lives on the streets as we've took it once a month. We've done in the last three years, we've gone to London, Westminster. We've been to St. Ives. We've been to different places taking the good news. It's touched regions, new market, different places. People have been touched. And if you've not yet been on board with Kings on the Streets, I want to encourage you, we're going to keep running with this. We're not going to stop. We want to take it up now another notch. And this April, we're going to be doing a mission to Cambridge. We're going to be doing a mission into the city in one week. And we're going to be bringing Jonathan Conrath in for a week this year. The evangelist Jonathan Conrath, who many of you know from our Voice in the City, is going to be coming and staying with another evangelist from Mission 24. They're going to be here from the, th- from the Thursday night until the Sunday, and we're going to run a missions program through that week. We're going to be preaching on the streets in the center of Cambridge. We're going to be actually sharing our faith, going out there into the streets for a whole week. And on the evenings, we're going to be doing things with the youth. We're going to try and pull in other churches, the youth together, for the Friday night. The Thursday night, we're going to have a prayer meeting to pray into this. On the Saturday, we're going to have a special healing meeting with Jonathan. And then on the Sunday, we'll do double services again with Jonathan and his team. But through that week, we're going to be bringing and asking people to join us as we do a proper mission, official mission with Jonathan. We're going to take kings on the streets to another level. It's time. Some people say, I want to go here and I want to do missions there. Sometimes we need to just concentrate on here. I really believe... Now's the time. You see the double services, we've created the nets. Do you, do you understand? We've now created a net. And some people say, oh, I've been to the 2 p.m. service. I, I'm not sure there's not as many people as the first one, so I don't bother going. Listen to me, we've created a net. Now we need to fill it. What we did is we strategically planned to say we want to produce the net to fill these nets. I don't know what we're going to do after that, but I, I want to encourage you. We've got to get ready again. Because when that fills... I don't know about triple services, but I I, I really sense that we've got to believe for God to expand this bigger, whether that's planting new churches around the city. I don't know, but let's see what God wants to do. Planting churches, new buildings, who knows? But listen, when we believe God and we believe he can do this, we have to work together with him. I've said it many a time when I walked into this church back in 2002, there were around 30 people, 35, 40 people in congregation. Today we've got double services. We're seeing around 250 people coming through the doors to nearly 300 people every week, intermittently. God is doing something. That's not the limit. He doesn't have a cap. I want to encourage you this year, in April 20, on April 20th to the 23rd, when we start advertising this, saying, do you want to be involved? I want to encourage you, get involved. Get involved in what we're going to be doing. I've been speaking to Jonathan about this for a year now. He's, his heart is to go into cities and do this. And I said, I want to work with you, and I want you to influence and help us. We're even looking to work with YWAM 
to get the opportunity to open up space outside Great St. Mary's for a place for Jonathan to preach in the centre of Cambridge. I want this church to make a noise, an unstoppable force. It's not just about Sundays, it's about what we do out there, amen? And you have the opportunity to get on board with this. God's message was shared. Number three, God's people were discipled. God's people were discipled. Verse 25, it says this, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. How many of you know that if we're going to bring people in, they're going to need to be taught? We need to disciple people. Matthew 28 verse 19 says that we need to disciple people, not only go, but disciple them. It's essential. We're not just here to say we're bringing in the crowds, the great crowds. But it's essential this year, I believe, for us now as we've created the nets to make sure we have in place the ability to teach people. Not just teach them, but disciple them to be a true disciple and follower of Jesus Christ. How do we do that? It's a challenge. It's a challenge for us all. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says, always be prepared. To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. We've got to be ready. Many times I've been on street evangelism. I've realized how much I need to know my Bible more. How much I need to understand more. And there are sometimes I've been bombarded by people. And they've asked me questions and I'm confused sometimes of how do I respond to some of the, the, the most challenging questions in our generation now. But listen, it doesn't scare me. What it does is it tells me, look, you need to be prepared. Not run away from this. The enemy wants us to run away and say we can't answer their questions. We can't respond to this generation. But listen, God says, no, be prepared. Because his word has everything we need. Last year, you may may know that we did Alpha. We started our first Alpha course and Mandy has been helping to do that with many people on team. And I want to thank everyone that helped on that. It's been amazing. I've been intermittently going to some of the sessions and having the food. I've enjoyed that. It's been great. But when I've been going to these sessions, what I've realized is another angle of evangelism. There are people that sometimes we won't meet on the streets and they're going to come in through Alpha and they're going to meet God through Alpha. This, this is so vital that we continue this. What we really did was a pilot. We tested this out and said, we really want to do this, but now we want to see this actually keep going with momentum. That as people, we meet them on the streets, we have the ability. When we're in the mission program in in, in April with Jonathan Conrad, our next plan with Alpha is to have an Alpha that runs within two to three weeks. It starts on the 8th of May. Straight after that, that mission program, we've put in place already, we're meeting next week to plan the whole structure of Alpha so that we can get an Alpha 15 sessions running straight after the mission program. We're going to produce leaflets and give them out on the street. So in that time, we can welcome people not only to give their lives to Jesus on the street, but we can say there is an opportunity for you to come right now and learn about Jesus. Listen to me. You're probably saying, well, what's new about that? Listen, we need to keep this going and it takes work. It takes a lot of work. The 15 sessions that have just been run took a lot of work. Let me tell you, of people giving time. 
one good thing we saw is that people spread their time and it was great to see mixtures of different people getting involved. Maybe you can be involved in something of that. What we're planning at the moment is two alpha courses. One starts on the 8th of May. The next one will run again that goes over Christmas. So literally every year there will be two alphas running. That's 30 weeks out of a year. 30 weeks. I want to encourage you, God is doing something here. The teams and people are pulling together so we can teach people, new believers, as we evangelize to them on the streets. The next thing I want to share with you is this. It's a new thing that we want to launch this year. And it will be starting just next, I think it's next week or the week after. We're going to be launching a new program called Bible 360. Bible 360 is a new king's school of theology that we want to launch. We really believe not only is it for new believers, but we need to teach people who are here as well. What I'm going to be bringing in this year, this is already planned right up to the end of this year. By the time you leave today and you go downstairs, Joe's already put the leaflets out while you're up here. Everything's downstairs ready for you to take one of these. These have been produced. The whole program's set up for 2017. Bible 360 is the opportunity for you, anyone here who says, do you know what, I want to learn more. There are questions. There's things I want to go deeper into the Word of God. We thank God for the Bible teaching here. But listen, we're going to be bringing in some, of, some people from the universities, the Bible colleges in this country. The first session we've got is Dr. Glenn Balfour. He's going to be teaching on two weeks. That starts on Tuesday the 28th of February. You've got two weeks on Tuesday nights of teaching. This is the former, one of the former principals of Mattersea Bible College. He's going to be coming and teaching for them first two sessions. Then we've got the great Peter Cavanna. On the 25th of April, he's going to be speaking on the book of James. Then we've got Dr. John Andrews, the previous principal of Mattersea Bible College, author and international speaker. He's here to do lessons from Luke on the 13th of June. These guys are top. These are some of the top class teachers in this country are going to be coming here to teach you. And by the way, this is free. We're not charging. We want to do this for free for you so that people can come in and learn. Then we've got a good friend of mine, good pastor friend of mine, senior pastor of Bethel Church in near Barnsley area in South Yorkshire. He's going to be coming to do the Revelation and End Times. He's wrote books on this. He's going to be coming and sharing uh, on one evening for that as well. And then on part one and part two, for the 12th of September, 28th of November, we've got my good friend, uh, Paul Garner. He's going to be coming from the Biblical Creation Trust to teach on creation evolution and answer all your difficult questions. These are the kind of things that when you go to the streets, people ask you about. I get it all the time. People say, I don't know how to respond. Let's get in the teachers to help you so you can throw the questions at them. Bible 360 is going to be there, and it's something that I believe is going to continue, develop. This is just several sessions. There are 16 hours of teaching here. 16 plus hours of teaching we want to give you for free this year. Let's get on board with these things. School of Evangelism. Do you know that over the last two years, School of Evangelism, we've trained and given certificates for around 120 people. There are people over the last two years that we've trained on evangelism programs, people have said to us, now I'm getting emails now from other churches in the city saying we want to send people to School of Evangelism this year. Where do we sign up? I've not even sent the adverts out yet. I'm having to put the emails into lists already. People are interested in what we're doing. Do you know that? People are saying, we want to do what you're doing. 
We want to continue with this so that as new people come on board in Alpha, that they get trained in the Bible school, uh, the 360, they get, they, te- they get taught things, that then they can go and be discipled and learn how to use their faith on the outside. We've got to teach people to be evangelists. Amen? Then there are other things like Ignite. The opportunity for people in students to keep going along. And I know that they're doing training courses and things that Aruna does. And I want to thank Aruna. Is Aruna here? Where is he? Stand up, Aruna. Bless you. Why don't you give him a great blessing? You know, Aruna, Aruna, you'll see him on, you'll see him on every picture of every fly because he does everything in this church. But we love him. And we thank God for him because Aruna's been bringing some amazing things into this church and we thank him for his teaching as well. But he's been doing the student Ignite uh, things and I've been chatting to him about potentially bringing some new courses in there to teach people in the student area. We've got some great um, prophecy training courses we want to do. So these are the kind of things, even on Tuesday nights, aside from Bible 360, I want to start to bring these things to try and train people a little bit more. We've got to train people. It's got to be our essential priority is that when people give their lives to Jesus that they don't just become people who sit in church, but they become something of what God has called them to be. Take the ordinary people and use them to be an unstoppable force. Maybe you can help with all these things. All these things I've just mentioned. The Alpha program. Maybe you can cook for it. One of the biggest things about Alpha is cooking. Can you cook a meal for 20 plus people? Can you come and serve in that way? Give your time, give your money, give your energy. You might say, well, I can't come and be a facilitator. But this year I want to say, I want to get involved in Alpha and I want to cook for them. I want to cook for new believers so that they can be helped in this way. You have the opportunity to give, as as Sam said earlier, to give your all, to give everything of your heart into this vision. Number four, God's gifts were welcomed. God's gifts were were welcomed. It says this, verse 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. One of the things that Antioch did is they welcomed the prophets. They welcomed the gifted ones. They welcomed those who they recognized with Ephesians 4.11 giftings to come and to breathe into the church. How many of you enjoyed it when Dwayne White came? I know I did. What an amazing time. We don't live off the prophets. We don't live off those experiences. But isn't it good to welcome other people in so that we can hear what God has to say through them? And I want to encourage you this year, we want to increase that. We want to bring in what people are saying and bring in and increase the prophetic in this house. Why do we want to do that? Because we want to encourage you to be prophetic. We want to encourage this culture in this church, not to be just a church that attends, but a church that is prophetic in its culture. How do we do that? We bring in the prophets. They brought in Agabus. Agabus speaks into that, the life of that church. And what do they do? They respond. But I really believe that when you get around people who are prophets, it actually shapes you. It shapes you. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. If you want to become like a prophet, then hang around prophets. I've learned that all my life. We went down last week to Wales. And while we were down there trying to rest, I said, I'm aware that Richard Lewis, many of you know Richard Lewis, 
the worship leader whose his whole family are very prophetic. I said, let's go and have dinner with them. We went and had dinner with them. We ended up worshipping in the music room and then coming out, out into the kitchen and all prophesying over each other. I love being around prophetic people. Boy, it's a breath of fresh air for me. People who are encouraging, positive, release what God wants to say into the moment. And I want to I, I have that culture in this church. That when you're having a coffee downstairs, people are speaking prophetic words and breathing life, encouragement into people. Let's bring in the prophets. Let's bring in these people. Just a few things just to share with you some events that we're going to be doing this year that are already all set in motion. Just next month on the 26th of March, we've got Richard Lewis and his whole team are going to be coming again. For, for the whole sessions, for the 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. service, Richard Lewis and his whole family are going to be ministering the whole day to us. They're going to be doing both services, two completely different messages on Mother's Day. That's going to be a special day. We want to bring in these people and these giftings, not only just to encourage the prophetic, but actually it's to encourage the worship as well. How many of you know that worship can be prophetic? It's key. We've got to get out of this thinking that we're here to just sing just a few songs, but we need to flow in the spirit. And I know that this church is already doing that, but let's encourage it even more. Let's get these people in to encourage us. It always encourages me. Richard Lewis is going to be with us 26th of March. On the 4th of June, how many of you remember Bill Janes from America? He's going to be coming again. We've got him on the 4th of June. He's going to be speaking at the 10 a.m. and the 2 p.m. Possibly two completely different services again. But how many of you know when Bill James come in, comes in, don't miss this one. If you want a prophetic word, he, will, he always says to me, I want to prophesy over every single person until I leave. He never wants to leave until he's spoke to everyone who comes forward. That's a prophet. These are the kind of people we want to get around. We want to bring the Agabuses in. Let them breathe into the life of the church. Do you know why? Because I believe that the next season for us in 2018 and onwards, we need to hear what God is saying sometimes. We bring these people in. How many of you know that Dwayne White shared a lot of stuff that night? He talked about planting churches. He talked about multiple campuses. I'm up for this. I don't know about you. I'm up for whatever God wants to do. Because if you get into his river, it always works. Okay? So I'm up for this, but we need confirmation. We need to see where God leads us on this direction. So you bring in the prophets. I don't know if anyone's heard of this man. Heavenly man, Brother Yun. We've got him booked already for the 6th of June on a Tuesday night. He's going to be coming here. We're going to be opening up this to Cambridge. I read this book in 2003. It was book of the year. You can see the sticker on there. I got saved. I came back to the Lord in 2002. I read this book the following year when it got launched. And uh, read this book, and as I read it, I realized that the book of Acts still happens today in such an extreme measure, the underground church. I've recently been connected with another Assemblies of God pastor in these last few months, who is the actual, uh, he's the head of Back to Jerusalem organization for the UK. He said to me, would you like Brother Yun to come and speak in your church? I said, yes, we will, Tuesday night. And he's coming to share with his translator. Again, this is someone, I, I want to encourage you today, look on Amazon, read The Heavenly Man, find the book, it'll be probably 20p now, but this book is an amazing book. You'll see that what we read in the book of Acts is still happening in the underground churches today, and some amazing testimonies that Brother Yun will share that will stagger you and shock you. Again, we want to bring in these people to encourage and to release us. Then, who's up for another voice in the city this year? 
We want to do another conference this year. We've got Voice in the City 2017. We've got Dr. Sharon Stone, the prophet, or prophetesses, whatever you want to call them. She's going to be here. And this year we're going to be doing it later on, on the 7th of October, because we felt that in August, the conference always, it's a bit too much for people who are traveling and going away on holiday. So we've shifted this to the 7th of October. And we've got Dr. Sharon Stone who's going to be coming. Just a little bit of background on Dr. Sharon Stone. She's not out of any of the movies. If you think, if you think it's Dr. Sharon Stone, we're not, we're not just there yet. But Dr. Sharon Stone came into this church in 2005. She was here. Hired, brought in by another church. They hired this building from us. Then we were a very small church. We let them use this building. It was when we didn't have another floor in. And she came in here and we attended, myself and Emma, we attended that night in 2005. When she got up to minister, she asked us to both stand. And that night she prophesied over us for about eight and a half minutes. I still have the recording. Solidly of what God would do in our lives. So much detail of what has happened is almost accurate pinpoint as we've seen God lead us through to the leading of this church. I want to encourage you, she is an accurate prophet. She's someone who will speak the life into this church. We've got a great speaker there, Dr. Sharon Stone. And then all the King's Pieces. How many of you went to Legacy Conference with Nathan Morris, Shape the Nations, last year? Great time. Many of you may remember all the King's Pieces were the band who played at the Legacy Conference. We've got all the King's Pieces are booked to come and do the whole worship for that conference. These guys have, have led worship in many revivals. And they've been involved in the victory outpouring as well. These guys are going to be coming and leading worshipers that whole weekend. I encourage you. We want to put these things on. And as you know, we don't charge a lot for these events. But again, we want to bring in the influence this year. How many is it for you having Lydia Mara back again? Don't we love Lydia when she comes and breathes the fire of God into this place? We've got her booked. She's coming on the 19th of November. She's booked again. She'll be with us later on this year. All these things are for you guys to get plugged into and be encouraged and inspired as we welcome in these giftings. Number five, God's needs were met. How many of you know that to do these kind of things and to move forward in the church, financially there's going to be demands as well. And we know already there are big demands financially. We've been doing lots over the last several years. Lots of money has been spent on the building on the outside. Many of you know we did Outer Court Project Phase 1. We spent around £25,000 doing the front up with new doors, new signs, new lighting, which I think looks amazing. Every time I walk down the street in the dark now and I see the lit up sign and I'm behind people who look up. And I realize that the, work, the money that we spent is all evangelistic. It's helping people to see who we are, welcoming them into the church. Many of you know when we talked about that, we spoke about phase two. And phase two was to redevelop the whole of the, the actual the, the floor, what you walk on. We want to redevelop that so there's no more boggy grass and mud outside at the front. But we actually put block paving. And if you remember when the guys did the street on Tennyson Road, uh, they worked on that just last year. They gave us five pallets of block paving at the end and said, we'll give you these for free. They're already in the back ready. We've just not done anything with them yet. But to do the whole redevelopment of the front, we want to redo all of the wall, put a brand new gate on, make it look presentable, a new sign box outside that people, it looks presentable to people. To do all this, we reckon it's going to cost easily in the region of £25,000. 
Again, we need the funds to do this. But it's all part of what I believe God wants to do. I, I'm a great believer in what you have you should look after. And build it up and, and, and do the best you can. If you do that, God will extend what, we, what he's doing here. He's always looking. Are you willing to look after and maintain what you have and make it look the best it can be? How many of you know if you walked into town now, you're going to walk in Costa Coffee Shop because it looks nice? The same excellence needs to be given for our Savior. Amen. The book of Titus, chapter 3, says that we should make the teaching of our Savior attractive. In other words, there are people walking up and down this road every single day. And it's our opportunity to make that look attractive. What do we see in the church in Antioch? It says this, Acts chapter 11, 29. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. We're going to be asking people to give into this out of court phase two throughout this year. We want to see this happen if we can this year to put out that floor. How many of you know that we can do this? I believe we can raise the funds to do what we need to do at the front to see this done and finished. We're going to be doing that this year and asking people to give. But what do we see in the church of Antioch is this, that people gave their gift to something, but they didn't send it direct to Judea. They sent it and gave it to Barnabas and Saul. They put it at their feet. We see that the principle of Barnabas himself, in Acts chapter 4, I think it is, even he sells his land. He has this principle of giving into kingdom. I want to encourage you, some of us might need to stretch ourselves and financially sow into what God is doing. I always say this, a church that's growing is a church that's sowing. We've got to start sowing into kingdom, not only with time, but our finances as well. God can use that in a magnificent way. Matthew chapter 14 verse 16, Jesus said to the people when he was feeding the 5,000, he said, you feed them. I find it interesting that Jesus didn't just make all the bread fall. He could have done an Old Testament miracle and said, okay, these people need food. There is a need that needs to be met. I'm just going to click my fingers and then everyone will see bread fall from the sky. If he was God, he could have done that. But he didn't. He said, you feed them. In other words, you've got to bring what you have and God will multiply and do it. Amen. I was with a church leader just recently and he said this to me. He said, when we, the reason we got our building and our land, he said, he said, someone phoned up for the land, asked if they could buy it from the council at a high price. The council said, no, that the land is not for sale. Just shortly afterwards, a year or so later, the council phoned them up and said, you can have the land for one pound. They gave them the land for a pound. And then someone came in. They, they, all they did is pray for a year. Within a year, someone came in, a millionaire, and wrote a check to build a brand new building on that, a whole building on that land. How many of you know it's possible? We've got to start to be a church that believes that if we give, that actually God can multiply. He's looking for sowers to grow what he wants to grow. Number six, God's people were encouraged. Z said this earlier. One of the key things that we need to make sure we do is this year is keep on building friendships. It's not just about teaching people. It's not just about coming to meetings and conferences. But it's actually about you guys building relationships. How many of you know that we need friends? Some of us need 
each other. I know I do. We need each other on this journey. He says this, Luke 20, uh, 23, verse 23, Luke says, When Barnabas arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. When he arrives at Antioch, he, he says he encourages the people to keep going. How many of you know encouragement is a key ingredient we need this year? And I believe that already we've put into place, some people think, well, what new things are you going to do? Listen to me. Right on this screen here, we've got all these activities, aspire and exceed. Have we got the screen? All the different things that we mentioned earlier have been put into place. These didn't exist several years ago. These things didn't exist. Now they exist. Why? Not just to meet up and just have a bit of fun, but to meet up and build relationships. Those 30 women yesterday who met can build relationships with each other. And listen to me, I want to encourage you right now. It's key. And some people say, well, I want to see cell groups. Well, I'm not saying that cell groups may, ne- may never happen. But I want to encourage you, start to meet together in your homes. Start to encourage each other. No one's stopping you from meeting anyone. People always say to me, when are we going to do cell groups? I just think, well, when are you going to phone someone up and invite them for a meal? When are you going to do this and that? It's not about what a structure's put in place, but friendships, true friendships. So when someone says, come to my house and I'll make you a meal, I'll get to know you. And by the way, that's not selecting your best friend in church. It's selecting the people you never speak to. If you're so interested in, in starting networks and groups, then you need to start to do things and step out of the comfort zone. Invite someone you've never invited before. Because that is the way the church builds. It's when you invite someone who you wouldn't normally invite. Now, if you get invited to someone's house, don't think they'd have normally invited me here. But it's true, isn't it? Sometimes we can easily go for the comfort of the people we know. But let's get to know other people. And I want to encourage you to do that. All these things, though, I find it amazing when I look at that. All these things didn't exist several years ago. Now you've got the ability to meet with men's exceed. The stuff we've got planned this year is trying to get the guys together and build relationships. Aspire, fantastic stuff happening there. Ignite, again, the student activity didn't exist several years ago. We've got this running. Fusion and Elevate, we want to see more people coming through the youth. We need to see more people this year coming to youth. That when families come that they feel they can bring their children. And Nick and Elena and the guys, Jonah and, and Amma have been doing a great work. But we need to see youth leaders raised up. Other people who want to... Go for this challenge to bring in the young people so they can be encouraged in their faith. Treasure kids. We can't not mention them. Treasure kids work. I've never seen so many children downstairs sometimes on a Sunday. You know, I almost feel like they're going to be getting past us. They're going to be coming up here and using this space. But there are so many children downstairs, which we know that there's going to be a great youth ahead when they grow up. But listen to me. These places, sometimes you're saying, well, I don't want to go to church this week. I'm going to have a week off. Your children are neglected from being encouraged by other children. You say, well, what's that got to do with it? If you don't bring, if you don't come to church and you don't bring your children in, then the children lack encouragement from other children. It's essential. You're the stopgap between your child learning about Jesus and being encouraged by other people. Meeting Together is essential. Hebrews 10, 25, it says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Meeting together is essential, but take these things that we've already got in place 
to try and use them this year. I want to see people building friendships stronger together. You know, one thing I just want to say about encouraging people. Just the other, the other week, I'd been in a pastoral meeting. I'd been several hours with someone talking about certain things. And then I left a meeting and I was on my way to another meeting somewhere else in the evening. And I was driving the car and I was just, as I was driving the car, I said, Lord, I can't cope with the amount of things, the pressures sometimes. There are so many demands, so many people that I need to respond to and help. And I just felt like I needed God to turn around and say, I know, son, have a break. But I felt him say this to me. I want you to do this for me, one more thing. I need you to phone this person up now. And when you phone them, I want you to tell them that they've had a terrible day at work. I've seen everything. And that I know their situation. I know where they're at. Tell them that I love them. And that I'm with them. And it's going to be fine. And I thought, do I need to do another phone call? But it was so strong on my heart. So I dialed the number and I did it hands-free in the car. I dialed the number. And as I dialed this number and the phone rang, the person's phone answered and went straight through to voicemail. So I thought it must not be God because the person's not answered. So I left a message and said what I've just said to you on the message. Within seconds after, my phone rang back into the car and I answered it. And this person, by the way, is in the church. They've given me the approval to share this message. But it's right from this church. Right then and then they phoned me back. They said, hi, how are you doing? They're not listening to the message. I said, listen, how's today been? They said, well, it's not been a great day, actually. I said, well, you might want to listen to the message I've just left you because I really felt that God's just told me right now to phone you. Immediately on the phone, the person broke into great cry. It filled my car. As I was driving down the motorway, the other person was also in their car. And all that time I just heard a cry the person didn't say anything to me at first then all of a sudden they said you won't believe this I've just had one of the worst days at work today it's been so stressful I don't know how I'm getting through what I'm getting through the pressure that I'm having at the moment is intense and I have just literally 30 seconds before you phone cried out to God and said God if you are there if you can see my situation, please get, just do a miracle and do something. Speak to me now. 30 seconds later, the phone rang. That person said this to me. said it's one of the most significant things that's happened to them since they got saved. It took 10 to 15 minutes to phone that person and to encourage them and to pray for them and lift them up. I thought the Lord speak to me straight after and said, pastorally, you can speak and help people all the time. But you'll achieve far more in the spirit in 10 to 15 minutes sometimes than you will in hours. I realized that that person got helped and lifted up in the space of 10 to 15 minutes of my time. Do you know why? Because it was in the spirit. If you listen to what the spirit is saying, and the Lord said this to me, imagine if every single person in your congregation listened to my voice and responded and phoned someone and encouraged them. Imagine the pastoral duties that would reduce because people are lifted by the Spirit of God in their moment of crisis. 
Now I know that time past all time is essential. And it is for me to still give it. But I learned something that day. That actually every one of us can do that. It's not me. Ordinary people can pick up the phone. you just got to listen to God's voice. Encourage people. In Antioch they were encouraged together. Finally, as we come to close on, we're going to sing and worship God in just a moment as I come to, to finish this. But number seven is that God's mission was extended. You see, Antioch was a church, a sending church. Antioch was a church where they sent people. Paul and Barnabas were sent. But it says this, Acts eleven twenty nine: the disciples provided help for their brothers and sisters, not in Antioch, but in Judea. Sometimes we've got to be a church that helps people in other places. Not Cambridge, but all over the world. And I want this year to be an increase in our missions program. I want this year to be an increase in what we want to do is sending people. Many of you know last year we did Malta Mission 2016. This year we're going to be going again. We're going to send out not as big a team, but we're going to be sending out a team of six people that we select from our Kings on the Streets ministry. We're going to be sending a team. In fact, do you know what? I'm not going on any missions this year, by the way. Do you know why? Because I've made a choice to let others go in my place. So that others can be trained to lead and send. It's the principle, you see. It's not about me. I'm not the special person. We need ordinary people, no-name people just getting involved. So listen, this year there is going to be a team of around six people we're going to send. And two of those people in that team will possibly be people from last year to lead that team. And it won't be me. Because I want to let people learn how to lead others. That's how you multiply. I'll be here praying for you. Wishing I was in the sun. We didn't, we didn't go in the sun last year, did we? We didn't have time. But listen, we're going to be doing that this year. Malta Mission 2017. Then another thing that I've been involved in through the Back to Jerusalem uh, stuff that I've been getting contacted with for Brother Yun, the gentleman, the pastor who runs that church. I've been in talks with him just recently and we've opened up the opportunity and we're going to be going to Iraq. We're going to be sending a team of five women, aspire women from this church right into within two to three miles distance from ISIS territory into a refugee camp we're going to be going right into the heart of the refugee camp to encourage young ladies who have been raped by ISIS some of the people I've been told in this that they will meet have been raped nearly 500 times by ISIS alone, one girl we're going to be sending five women to go right into the heart of that camp and to encourage these women and pray for them and be around them for several days That's going to be happening this year in September. Back to Nineveh, it's called. An official project. They're going to be joining together with someone I know and going out with their women as well. And there's going to be a massive team, not just ours. They'll join with them at Heathrow and fly out to go and do this project. How many of you know we've got to help people who can't help themselves? In fact, even my wife's considering going. I'm a bit worried, but how many of you know that I'm so more excited about what God's going to do? I'm so excited about what God's going to do. It's going to be a lot of money. Do you know to send these women, it'll cost around £1,000 per person to go into that place. And to do what they're going to do. 
But people will, if, if people want to go, they will sow into this. And if it's their heart to go, then they can sow into this. But I want to encourage you, there may be people here today who said, do you know what, this year, I really want to get behind this. And I can't go, or I'd like to go, or whatever, but I want to sow into this. And I want to send people into that place. If that's you, I want to encourage you over this next season, we're going to be giving opportunity for people to give into mission so that you can send people to Malta and you can send people to Iraq. Just this morning, I've been chatting with someone right in this room as well who's even involved in refugee camps and things in Ukraine. Why don't you stand up, brother? This is Ben. Do you know what? Some people just don't know what people do sometimes. This man has just been in the Ukraine. He's been doing missions work with his wife. Why don't you stand as well? And Angela. Sometimes you might not see them. Do you know why? Because they're busy doing things for God. And I want to acknowledge them today. I've just been chatting just over a coffee downstairs before about what they're doing in Ukraine. Dealing with refugees. Friends of theirs who they see as their family. I'm going to be getting this guy to share one Tuesday night about what he's involved in. Because I want this to open up so people can get on board. Maybe there may be opportunities to go with you guys. I don't know. But who knows? We've got people here who are doing great things for God. Listen, Antioch. You take your seats. Thank you. Antioch was a church where they sent people. They didn't just stay there. Finally, as I just finish, many of you know one by one we're here this year. Last year, should I say. This year, we're going to have Matt Murray back again from One by One Ministries. We've said already to them for the One by One Ministries, we want to support you financially, still keep giving to you and blessing you. But also for One by One, I was sent this next image, if you just bring it up. This was sent to me. This photograph was took yesterday and sent across straight away. And this is the land that we bought. That is a church that they'll be meeting in today. They've since... The land that we purchased, that this church alone bought. It was prophesied, last year I prophesied over these guys in summer that they were about to take new territory in a new area. By the end of the year they got this new territory and we bought the land. That land that you see there. They're meeting in this today. Since then they've put up this structure and now they want to put walls around it. I believe that we're going to go there someday and minister in this church. This is happening today. I've been sent this. But listen to me. Maybe you want to financially give into this. There's even opportunity if you want to connect. We can connect you with one by one for you to go. It's going to cost around £1,200. But if you wanted to go, you could go with them and stay for one solid week and work alongside and see a lot of this, what's happening out there. If you bring up the last slide, you'll see the orphanage and school in the previous one, sorry. You know what? There we go. This is what they've built. This is the orphanage and school. This is the kind of thing you can be involved in going into prison work when you're there. These opportunities are there. The connections are there. We want to be a church this year that sends people. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.